I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Okay, we are back and we are hungering and thirsting for righteousness this episode. We've had some great uh, talks last few times about uh, the quality of, of our heart, uh, the emptiness that we we have and our, our need for God. And and uh, this is culminating here with uh, uh, blessed are the, the, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're, let's read all of the Beatitudes though. Jim, do you want to take it away? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the per- those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. And did you alternate on purpose? I just yes, I, I was, very much. I, I was, was wondering who was going to pick up on that. I was that. like, please don't laugh because it was blessed, 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 blessed. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, all right, we're back to the subject at hand. Is it really true that if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled? Israel hungered and thirsted for righteousness, right? What? What is this righteousness Jesus wants us to seek? There's a lot in that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially that second part's pretty loaded. <laughs> yep. Um, so I, I, um, I kind of I read this when I hear this. I go, "Hungering and thirsting means that we are hunger. We're looking for God's. I, I don't think approval is quite the right word, but again, words are hard. Not sure I have a better one." Um, and if we're hungry and thirsty, that means we're lacking whatever this is as we currently are, right? I'm looking at my snack right now, and it's loud and crunchy, so I can't eat it <laughs> while other people are talking because the mic will pick it up. And I'm getting a little bit hungry, which means I want food. I lack food right now. Um, and so, like, I read this and I go, okay, if I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and I've always for a long time viewed this as a thought exercise like well you know you can be a christian and you can be doing everything right and still be hungry and thirsting for righteousness and while that's kind of i guess true ish um this feels more like people who really don't have god's righteousness who aren't who are lack who are severely lacking righteousness who that is i will let you wrestle with that i'm not going to kind of dive into that shallow pool. But I think as I've kind of seen more, it's like people who are hungry for God's approval, who are hungry to know God, mm-hmm. but who are lacking it now. I mean, they, they, you are lacking if you are hungering and thirsting. And so I, mm. that's kind of where I have to start. Mm-hmm. Um if we want to get into the uh, hornet's nest, that is the second question, because that will be a hornet's nest, or maybe we can, maybe we can kind of, I don't know. Well, I can can maybe we can sit here for a second because, so if you're 
hungry, it doesn't mean that you're starving. Hmm. Mm, good if point. you're thirsty, it doesn't mean that you're dehydrated. And I think that sometimes, and again, it could be sort of a, a, a the, the Western kind of middle class prevailing uh, culture that we come from, that when we see those words hunger and thirst, we automatically assume, we automatically associate them with starvation and dehydration. But uh, it, maybe there's another way to look at it and think of hunger and thirst we hunger because we need food to survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we will die if we don't eat. Eventually, yeah, we thirst because we need water to survive. We will die if we don't drink water. Eventually, and so hunger and thirst are sort of those fundamental needs for life that we have. And maybe what Jesus is doing is here is is flipping it a little bit to say, well, we also need to hunger and thirst for righteousness because if we don't get righteousness, eventually we're gonna die. Mm. And that it's it's more like it's it's not that it's necessarily that we're lacking it but that we need it. So is this like, um, so we're, we need it to survive. We need it, it to is survive this, is this on a like, consistent, um, ongoing, continual basis. We need to eat. And so because we need to eat, we eat every day. Do you, do you feel like there's a connection here then with the manna and, um, and then Jesus is our ultimate food? There could be. There could be a connection there. I think I think there might be this might be one of the like breadcrumb trails situation mm -hmm. where Jesus is not because he does say that in John right mm -hmm. like he talks about the bread of life conversation yeah. John six um, and this I think if I were to put the timeline together which I haven't done John six would be later than this um, so this might be a thing where he's sort of introducing ideas like the idea of hungering and thirsting. Um, and that it could be, um, it definitely could be that, um, I think, I think the one thing I want to caution us and our listeners is the idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness shouldn't just be a thought exercise for us. No, it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. It should be something where we actually see our lack, our lacking or our need. And like Van said, we need righteousness, but we need it the same way we need food and water. Like I can't mm -hmm. eat once a week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And survive long time. I mean, you know, you can survive thirty days without food, but if you only eat once a week, yeah. that's going to be a situation very quickly. Right. And there's with food, there's there's a, a smart way to eat. Right. There's you know you as much you, as you can as you, frequently as you right. can. <laughs> which is which Wait, is the not right. smart way. Yeah, maybe that's not so smart. <laughs> there's so you're certain saying... there's certain things that you that you should eat. Consistently, and there's certain yeah. things that you shouldn't eat very often. And you know, if I stopped eating today, it would take me a long time to starve to death. I mean, look at me. It would take me a long time before I depleted all my fat. It would For take me a long time to starve uh, to death. Van is exaggerating. <laughs> it would take me. It would take me not as long. Not as long a time to die of thirst. 
But if I stopped drinking water for today, I would not die of thirst. I might not necessarily even become dehydrated. I don't know how the science of all that works, but um, hunger and thirst is something that we, it's something that we see to every day and more often generally than once a day. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's echoes here to Matthew 6 where Jesus is talking about, don't worry about what you eat or drink, mm-hmm. right? Don't worry That's about what point. you wear, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Yep. And yep. so there the emphasis is on the the object of our desire and our mm-hmm. our what's occupying our, our thoughts and our actions. Um, so I think that that's got to be – the hungering and thirsting I think is meant – in that sense, maybe to highlight the importance, but the emphasis, I think it was really the righteousness, like mm-hmm. the object of what we're hungering and thirsting for. Uh, his kingdom and his righteousness, right? Mm-hmm. I think. And um, I think that's important. Be, yeah, it says his, but uh, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And so I think that's also important that it the righteousness is defined by him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think something you said in another episode or another podcast, Van, about there being a progression here of um, you know, seeing your need and mourning your sin and how you know all that and leading to uh up to really thirsting, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, like uh, I need, I need, I need. And and that God is that definition of, of the righteousness that we're seeking. Um, I think this resonates with me and it reminded me, I, there are a couple of Psalms that I was thinking of when I was reading this. One of them is Psalm 63, which uh, I'm going to actually just quote some of this. So you God are my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And then this is interesting. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. So there, there is this, this notion of, of it's again, his righteousness, him Mm -hmm. that we're seeking because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I'll lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So again, I, I think there's this connection between seeing God and worship, perhaps even communal worship. I think that fills us, that satisfies mm-hmm. us. We were created for worship and this is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. It fills us up. However, I think um, the ultimate righteousness that we seek is experienced in Christ because of the sacrifice he made for us. He experienced on the cross, total hunger, eternal thirst, uh, so that we could be really filled and satisfied. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think all the t- stuff you just said, Matt, is great, and how like we're and ev- everything you guys have said. I still come back to I have to feel a need for it. Yeah, right. Like I have to have mm, a yep. perceived and felt need. Like I, I have to. If I'm hungry, that means. And hunger is normal, but it still means I'm lacking in the amount yep. of food I need. And that yeah. hunger feeling is like your body's way of communicating, not to get super technical, 
which I'm about to, but like the hunger and thirst is your body's way of communicating. I need something like I'm not I, your body saying I need food or I need water. And that like, just, I don't, I don't, I'm lacking. I don't have it is the first step mm-hmm. in getting filled in the way you guys have done a really good job talking about. We also answered the third question, the third part <laughs> of the question. Um, so now we're going to go to my favorite part, which is the second part, <laughs> which is didn't Israel hunger and thirst for righteousness? I'm going to kick the hornet's nest over now. What do you think? I think Israel believed correctly they already had God's approval and they acted like they had God's approval no matter what they did, which in a thought experiment way is true, but that doesn't mean God is okay with how we're acting. Um, I like did Israel hunger and thirst for righteousness? Well, at this time, the leaders of Israel, which are the priests, which were the Sadducees, which were wholly corrupt in getting rich off of God's people. Like they were using God's people as a means to get rich. So no, I would say they did not hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, mm. we look throughout like Chronicles and all that. Even David, yeah, David was a man after God's own heart, but he, instead of choosing to like calm down his... uh like nice house, he chose to build a nicer house for God so that God could win the nice house competition. And he had to do all sorts of horrible, like not good things to get it. And so did they hunger and thirst for righteousness? Certainly at times. Was that the character of Israel long-term? I I don't think so. They seem to, in a lot of cases, act like, you know, well, we're, we're God's people and, you know, we can kind of do some of these things. But I also think I see that their relationship less of like a commander, uh, like a commander relationship is more God was going, I want a partner. Like God really wanted Israel to be his partner, not just a bunch of people who followed all the rules he said. He was, he, and we'll get more into this in another podcast. He said, I want a partner to heal a broken world. And I need you guys to be the ones who show the broken world what this partnership can look like. And it doesn't seem when you read the story that they always were really engaged in that part of the partnership. Mm. Well, it's sort of also what you said earlier about if you're hungry, you have to, you have to feel hungry. I mean, you, you're not going to do something. You're not going to eat unless you feel hungry, right? You, you, I mean, shouldn't. you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Some, well, that's not you always are, the case. <laughs> if that's yeah, never mind. Uh, yeah, there's that's a whole other subject. Let's not. But, let's let's let's. But not, for the yeah. most part, you you eat when you feel hungry, right? And and so there's a sense of um, well, why weren't they feeling hungry? Why? And I I think there it reminded me a little of Romans nine. Uh, I think we brought this out in another episode. The as if statement. Um, concerning faith. Again, it's, it's, I think this gets back to a, how do we view things? And so we, we can filter truth through our own framework and miss truth. Mm-hmm. And so um, in Romans 9, uh, verse, starting verse 30, Paul writes, what then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith? 
but the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. I I I hear that and I read this and I, and I it just keeps com- I keep coming back to God wants a partner, right? Like He's going, I want a partner, and I'm willing to work with people who don't yet seem to have this righteousness. Like I'm willing to, I'm actually willing to work with this. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have righteous my righteousness, I can work with that. Yeah. Well, Abraham or Abram, Abram. Uh, is a good example of that, right? I mean, he yeah. it was credited to him as righteousness because he, what? He trusted God. He took but God he at his ha- word. he didn't have it. He didn't know. You look at his life and there was some, well, what? what? Why do uh, you, you keep calling your, Sarah? Matt, you're, you're bringing up anyway. so many things that would be interesting podcasts <laughs> if we actually dug into them. Why are you guys doing this to me? I I think that the the short answer to that question is, did Israel... Hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think the short answer to that is no. Um, I thought of this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 11, where it says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God Mm. by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I commanded you today, lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and when your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt in the house of slavery. Mm. That um, the, the, the story of the Old Testament, of Old Testament Israel is right there. Yeah. When things were good and they felt full, they forgot. And um, so, and when they were, things were good and they felt full, they weren't hungry anymore. Mm. They weren't thirsty anymore. They forgot the Lord. They forgot his righteousness. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, as much as I'd like to say, well, that was their problem. Thank goodness we ain't them. Well, but we are them. Yeah, we are. Story. We are them. The story continues because, you know, we. I, I continually chide myself in my journal. I go back and I look at my journals and the most, the longest posts in my journal are days when I felt hungry and thirsty hmm. for God. I felt things weren't good and I needed God. I have whole days where I don't write anything. Well, because that was a good day. I was happy that day. <laughs> yeah, look at David, right? He's writing yeah. some of the best psalms when he's on the run. Right. And then once the kingdom's established, things kind of go yeah. sideways in a big you, way. You forget. You forget. And so I think for me, that's the that's the lesson there in hungering and thirsting for righteousness. It's something that I need consistently yeah. all the time. I need to be, like you said, Jim, I need to be aware of that need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is great. Well, let's move on to verse seven and, and the the next four. Um, there's a shift here. Um, just It's not just the quality of the heart. It's something demonstrably active a call to be merciful. If we don't show mercy, what does that mean? Does it simply reveal our heart 
you know, we've been talking about blessed are and these, you know, qualities. Does it mean we haven't experienced mercy? That's a question. Do we, do we, so we don't know how to give it or does it mean we won't be shown mercy? Later, Jesus says, if we don't forgive others their sins, our father won't forgive us. That's in Matthew 6. But elsewhere, we get uh, verses in the Bible like in 1 John 4, where it says, we love because he first loved us. So <laughs> to if I can wrap this thought up, how do we resolve cause and effect with our own culpability? Does that make, is that question clear? How does yeah. this inform our understanding of grace too? Yeah. I mean, so this, the way we're phrasing that there, when you're thinking about where does the mercy start, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and what is the fact that I'm merciful or not merciful say about me? And if, how does, does God love me? Am I loving of others? To me, a lot of that, I take a step back and um, I, there's a really helpful analogy for me in understanding this, which is the um, basically got the sun shines on different materials mm. and those materials, some get hardened and some get softened. Wow. And so the sun reveals the materials. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, the sun is, you know, sun's doing something to those materials, mm -hmm. but... Uh, the materials still have, you know, a quality in of themselves that is unique to them, that is being, um, you know, they have some culpability for, if you will. Um, there's other examples, but that's one that the early Christians used to talk about, like Pharaoh, and this, like, complex thing where Pharaoh's heart's getting hardened, but then God hardens his heart, and there's a whole thing there, right, mm -hmm. too. Um, but for me, that's helpful because... Um, there's, there's like a synergism between I have responsibility for my life and my righteousness and my mercy in this case, um, and yet God's love towards me and his actions towards me, um, his power working on me also enables me to become more, mm -hmm. right, than I could be just on my own, just yeah. being a lump of clay or whatever. Um, so I don't see a conflict between the scriptures that emphasize, hey, you need to live this way to receive this mm -hmm. yeah. with those that are like, wow, God is so loving to us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that he lavished this and therefore we are able. I think, I it's think those are, end. I think those are both ands. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, that's how I see it. So I, I think I think Tim's absolutely right. I, I would add, just add a little bit of color here um, to some of the conversation about mercy. Is that like if you look at the audience, mercy is like not attractive to anyone here. Yeah, it, it really uh -huh. it's like we're like oh be merciful and like we love mercy when it's given to us, mm -hmm. and we love to hold other people's feet to the fire. Yeah. On oh, everything. Yeah. That's the yeah. parable of the unmerciful servant, mm -hmm. right? And and like. You know, every one of us can probably has examples of when we've been merciful, and we probably have just as many of when we have completely lacked mercy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, I think I think about the audience here. Rome didn't become Rome by showing mercy. It did not become the most powerful entity for like a thousand years by being kind and merciful. It 
did the opposite. It was brutal. It was unmer. It was unmerciful. Like the Pharisees and the Zealots, they felt no mercy towards Rome or anyone associated with Rome. Mm-hmm. They had no desire to be kind. They had no desire to do good. So, like right away, we have so many people here that are just unmerciful, and this is. And then we read like the merciful are shown mercy. It. Yeah. It's a very simple equation when yeah. you read it. <laughs> like, oh. There's a lot of complex thoughts we all have about this, but when I step back, I'm like, this is not that complicated. No, right. It really isn't. <laughs> nope. That like I need to show mercy. Where does it come from? Jesus is talking about other people, so it all it's hard for me to say from the text where mercy comes from. But he says, if you are merciful. I will show mercy. And I think about when I hear that, I think about like breaking cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're from like an awesome, perfect family, you probably don't have any cycles you need to break. Um, <laughs> for those of us normal people, um, we have destructive cycles in our family that we need to break. And like at some point, like this lack of mercy really does become like a cycle yeah right like totally. yeah i'm yeah. not going to yeah. be merciful and then you know or in families like well my parents treated me this way so i'm going to treat my kid this way who's going to treat their kid this way and it's like this thing and it really takes one somebody yeah. in that line to say no i'm choosing to not do this yeah. i'm choosing to stop the cycle of destruction and i think that's almost what that's kind of what I hear in this is it takes somebody to say, I'm not following what this world is telling me to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be merciful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though I don't want to, even though it hurts, even though like, the, yeah. This breaking the cycle thing um, reminds me of, um, I think, it, so Ed Anton wrote this book on repentance, right? And uh, it, I think that this breaking the cycle is like, that is the thing here. Like merc- yeah. being merciful, like this is foundational to all the repentance that I think that we're supposed to, because we're filled up, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to act like, like you know, the real righteousness, God's, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and be different. And that is one of the most striking differences is to be merciful to someone. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Ed Anton, I, I, I'm pretty sure most of us got to hear him speak recently, which was phenomenal. I hope he writes a, I think he might be writing a book about this, but he, uh, he was talking about the topic of grace and, and this came up of the word, um, and I'll probably get this wrong, Karis. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the, it, it's where we get charisma today, or mm-hmm. as some people have shortened it, Riz. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, look it up. It's funny. Um, but anyway, th- th- there's this origin of this, the three classic charities. That's another word. Charity is from that, uh, Greek and, or graces. The, 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 are, it's like this image of three sisters in a dance hand in hand. And you hear this word and it conjures partnership. One of the themes you were talking about before, Jim, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God partnering with us. And it, and it, it, if someone extended charity or grace to someone, there was definitely a sense of, um, you know, you're helping the the one who has something mm-hmm. is helping the one who doesn't have something. 
and and one who perhaps could never escape their situation without help. So there's a sense that, you know, you're that if you accepted the help, you were agreeing to be in community with the helper. You'd owe them everything, but you'd be free from your former predicament. So you hear grace and you have the both idea of of the undeserved gift that you could never hope to earn and the sense that you've come into a reciprocal dance. And I, I thought that was the thing that I really uh, was so cool about what uh, uh, Ed Anton brought out with that that word study there. So I, I think one one of the things I, I wanted to answer before we move on and end the episode, or and one is I, I think you, one of the questions you had is what does it mean? And I I love what you said about like this reciprocal side of grace, right? Like how merciful it, mer- like the bad cycles are reciprocals, but so are the good cycles. Yep. Like they right. can be they can reciprocate and. Um, but I, I think you asked like, why, why don't people show mercy and why don't we show mercy? And I want to be really careful in this response about not making a blanket statement and presuming I know why every person is not doing it because it's blanket statements are almost never true. Um, although we have to generalize things or else we would never be able to have a conversation about anything. <laughs> I've been criticized for overgeneralizing in the past. So sometimes I'm like, would you like to talk about every single nuance that exists in this thing? No. Okay, good. Um, but uh, I think why the reason I'm not merciful and the people I'm close to who I've been able to talk with about this is we live in fear. Hmm. All of us live in fear of... Um, and, and if you're... You know, in the Christian world, you live in fear of God not doing his job with people. Like you, uh, many Christians in the Western American world, are, we're, we're almost afraid God's going to let people off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> God, oh my gosh. God's too good a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh God. <laughs> like, and, and when it's I like say that. Jonah syndrome, right? Somewhat. Yeah. And I think Matt's laughing because he's like, yeah, we kind of are afraid of that. But we have a real fear that God's not going to do – we say, God, your job is to distribute this, and God's going, no, your job is to give mercy. I will take care of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think we're very afraid of what the cascading thing like could happen if we are merciful there's all these fears that we have. We're hmm. afraid this per- we could be taken advantage of. We're afraid, like Matt mentioned the Jonah syndrome. We might be afraid that the person we're being merciful to is actually going to turn around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, fans laughing at me, but <laughs> that's a real fear. We're like, oh, I wait, this person's going to actually turn around? You find that in, in AA, actually, um, when the partner with the, the you know, the alcoholic changes. Sometimes the the spouse is like, I don't know what to do. I identified myself by being the good person who always cleaned up and now I'm not cleaning up anymore. What? Oh, yeah. You, you get resistance. It's real. And it, like, yeah, you see it in marriages when one person decides to make a major life change, the other person can't handle it because they. it's just, it, they're afraid now of what this new thing looks like. And so I, I don't think we... I think people who don't give mercy, I don't think it's, well, you haven't given mercy. I don't think it's this automatic, like, robotic thing. You just do it. I think we are, in this and many other things, we just get paralyzed by fear. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the one thing we should mention is that 
before we end this, front half and back half, we got a chiasm. Mm-hmm. And when we have a chiasm, the good stuff is in the center it's of the, the chiasm. Core. It's in the middle. And so this is the author's way of getting us to look at these two beatitudes, at hungering and thirsting for righteousness and merciful. And I think what the author is trying to say here is, if you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, show mercy. Mm -hmm. If you deeply desire righteousness more than anything else, you must be merciful. Isn't that amazing? Like the righteous, you're right, like the righteousness that we desire, which is Christ's, and you can see it at the cross. Like mm-hmm. that is the perfect example of, yeah. of mercy. He is breaking the cycle right there. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> There's. I feel like we could talk about this for a lot longer, but we got to wrap it up. We will be back next time uh, talking about being pure in heart. Thank you. Awesome.